Michael McCartney, wrote in a message entitled The Joy of Christmas that the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We buy more but we enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences but less time. If you feel that one, say amen. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. He says, we drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and we pray too seldom. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to talk to a neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but we haven't conquered inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but we learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've got more of nearly everything except for joy. Today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this idea of joy, and as we were watching that video, uh, I hope one of the things that stood out to you is, is man, we've heard this story, haven't we? We've, we've been in Christmas services, we've read it, we've, we've, I mean, we are inundated with the Christmas story. There, there probably isn't a person in America that doesn't have some familiarity with the idea of Jesus being born. In a, in a manger, you know, all of those, all of those things, star in the sky, they, they probably get a lot of the details wrong, but, but I would guess most people are familiar on some level with the story. But when you think about this story, and when you, when you take it back to 2,000 years ago, it really comes up as this, as this plot twist in history. I love movies, I love watching movies, and I love movies where, where you're expecting one thing, and through three quarters of the story, you think you've got it figured out. You know who did it. You know what the, uh, the, the reasons behind it. You've got everything figured out, and then there's a plot twist, right? And something different comes up. Something different happens that, that shatters your understanding, and all of a sudden, you're left with your jaw on the floor, or at least I am, my jaw on the floor, like, what just happened? And Christmas is supposed to be that as we read our Bibles. Because all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets were prophesying towards a certain end. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit today. But, but as importantly, we want to talk about the joy that is found in the Christmas story. That Jesus didn't come as a conqueror, but instead he came to conquer sin. C.S. Lewis called joy the serious business of heaven. Joy marks the the difference between existence and life. Its presence upgrades us from survival to thriving. Joy is our enjoyment of God and the good things that come from God. So, So joy really is in opposition. It combats this mindset that I should do more, I should have more, I should have done more, I could do more tomorrow. Right? When we get joy, 
when we find joy, then we are able to set all of those things aside and just enjoy what God has done for us. Proverbs 10.28 says it like this. It says, The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. So in other words, if you're living for God, if you're, if you're, part, of God's, uh, if you're part of God's family, then the thing that you should be looking forward to, the prospect for the righteous, is joy. And so we all want to be, we all want that, don't we? We all want to see joy in our life. But, but sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's hard to find joy because we live in a fallen world. Because we, there's so many things that pop up all of the time that, that steal our joy. Today we're going we're gonna to look at a Christmas carol. Uh, last week we, we talked through Go Tell It on the Mountain. This week we're going to look at God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Uh, hopefully you guys are familiar with that. At the end of the service today we're going to sing it together. But before we did that, I wanted to take a, a couple minutes to walk through some of these lyrics with you guys and just help you to understand a little bit more of what we're saying. Uh, in fact, the, the first note is, if you take a look at the, the title slide up here, you'll see that, that there's a, a very conspicuously placed comma in the title. It's, God rest ye merry, gentlemen. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. It's not merry gentlemen. The gentlemen aren't already happy. But instead, what's happening in this title here is that they are being encouraged towards happiness. So if you're feeling a weight inside of you, if you're looking around at family and friends and you're saying, I wish that I could have the joy that they have, today's message is for you. Because God wants to, God wants to share his joy with you today. Now this, this uh, Christmas carol was written back in the 15th century. And so some of the, the words that are used in it are a little either out of place or they mean different things uh, back then. They meant different things than they do today. For example, the word rest in this. Uh, when I think of rest, I think of taking a nap, right? I think of that, that moment during the day when for some reason my kids are quiet, probably because they're getting into something. Um, but I have that, that moment where I can lay on the couch and close my eyes for a minute and I can rest. And that's what I think of as the word rest. But in this context, it actually means to, to hold steadfast or, or to keep something. It's like when a, when a lawyer says, uh, Your Honor, I rest my case. Right? My case is concluded now. This is, this is the end of the presentation. Or when we say that, that you're, you're rest assured. Right? We want you to, we want you to uh, understand and know. We want you to have peace. We want you to rest in the idea that this is going to happen. We rest assured or we rest our case. In this way, he's saying, God rest, ye merry gentlemen. Uh, there was a, a Shakespeare play that had a very, very uh, similar phrasing where somebody is saying goodbye to somebody and they say, you know, goodbye, and then the, the other person responds, God rest ye merry, sir. God rest ye merry, sir. And, and so what he's saying there in that context is, hey, I hope that God brings you happiness. And I hope that God keeps you in his happiness. God rest ye merry, sir. All right, God rest ye merry, gentlemen. The historic meaning of the phrase, God rest ye merry, then, is may God grant you peace and happiness 
or may God keep you or hold you in his happiness. Are you guys seeing this? So it's a little, it's a, it's a different way of approaching this line. It's not, it's not the, the, you know, God rest you merry gentlemen. I think of like a bunch of people at a Christmas party, right? And they're all, they're all hanging out and they're singing Jingle Bell Rock and they're, they're rocking around the Christmas tree. And, you know, I think of, I think of people that are happy. I think of people, but he's not saying that. He's speaking to those that are downcast and he's encouraging them that God wants to give them happiness. God wants to rest them Mary. It's a weird, weird way of saying it, but that's, that's what it means. Last week, we talked about the angels and how they brought good news that will cause great joy. And this week, we're going we're gonna, to, again, focusing on this God rest you merry gentlemen, the chorus is, O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. In other words, news about how God wants to bring you comfort and joy. Everybody say comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, right? Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Amen. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, was written in the 16th century England. During that time, most of the church, most of the music that the church produced was, was really dark and somber, and a lot of it was written in Latin. And so you had a hard time even understanding the words, kind of like we're having a hard time understanding these words today. But, but back then, it was, you know, there was this, this idea that church needed to be serious. It needed to be somber. It needed to be, uh, you know, very, very respectful, very rigid, uh, those types of things. And so songs of joy and happiness weren't allowed in the church, which is, is, is hard for me to imagine, but it's true. To overcome this problem, then, the people took the singing of Christmas songs to the streets, Soon the, the night watchmen would be singing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen as they walked the streets of Renaissance-era London. And so, so what we see here is that the, um, the people understood Christmas. But there was this, and I don't want to say the church didn't understand Christmas, but, but the, the people understood that Christmas was something extraordinary. That Christmas was something to be celebrated, that, that in this act of God sending his son, there was new life, there was hope, there was peace, there was purpose. All right, verse 1 of God rest you merry gentlemen. God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy, right? Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. That's the last time I'm going to do that today. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to Starla. Right. So, so what we're saying here in, in verse 1 of this song is that Jesus was born for a specific purpose, wasn't he? Jesus was born in order to save us from the influence of Satan and from the, from the power of sin and death. He's saying, don't be sad. Don't, don't allow yourself to be concerned. God, God rest ye merry, right? God rest ye merry, gentlemen. God, God keep you. Don't be sad. He's saying, we wandered away from God and were put under the power of Satan, but Jesus was born to set you free. And so when we read this song or when we sing this song later, what I want us to remember about this first verse is that Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to bring us life. Jesus came that we might be saved from the influence of Satan. 
going all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3 says it like this. It says, then the, woman, then the Lord God said to the woman, so this is after sin has taken place, after sin has been introduced to the garden, the, the Adam and Eve, they hid from God. God called out to them. They came out of hiding. And then there's this confrontation scene between God, the man and woman, and the serpent. And God looks at the woman and he says this. He says, the, uh, verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, said to Eve, what have you done? The woman said, well, I, I was talking to a snake, which is weird anyway. Um, and it, it lied to me. It, it deceived me. I, I believed it. And so I took the fruit and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. In God rest you, Mary gentlemen, we see to save us all from Satan's power, this is what it's calling back to. It's this prophecy made in the garden immediately after the first sin had taken place, and God said things are going to get hard for a while, but I've got a plan. And I've got a way to bring things back. And I've got, I've got an idea. We're going to have to wait a little bit for it, to pass, for it to come to pass. But I've got a way to redeem that sin and to restore us into a relationship together again. The writer of Hebrews said it like this. So this is now in the New Testament. This is after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. And he's reflecting back on what Jesus did. He says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. So because, because we were humans, the Son, being Jesus, had to step into humanity. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. In 1 Corinthians, Paul would say that, that death, where is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory that because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus coming, being born, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, and then being resurrected from the dead, the Bible says the power of sin, the power of death, the power of Satan has been broken over each of our lives. This is tidings of comfort and joy. Amen? <laughs> Romans 5 says it like this. You see, just the right time when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. There was nothing we could do. There was no way that I could fix it. There was no way that I could make it right. I was powerless in my sin. But at just the right time, the Bible says Jesus came and he died for us. Verse 8 says God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is tidings of comfort and joy. Verse 2 takes a, a little different look at the same story, and it, it says it like this. It says, in Bethlehem in Jewry, which I, I had to look up the word Jewry because I wasn't sure what it meant, um, and it's just a, a, a name for the, the Jewish nation. Just a, 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 I think it was just a way to fit it in the song. Because um, <laughs> if you say Jewish nation, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with the, the beats. In Bethlehem in Jewry, the blessed babe was born. Jesus was born. And laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. 
the which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn, O tidings of comfort and joy. So what he's saying here in the second verse is Jesus' humble beginning flips our understanding of what it means to be blessed. Jesus' humble beginning flips our understanding of what it means to be blessed. I talked earlier about how Christmas is this, this great plot twist in history. And for years and years and, and centuries and millennia before, the Christmas, before Christmas morning, we had one idea, one impression of what it meant to be blessed. And when we looked at, at people around us, we could very easily see you're, you're poor, you're sick, you're lame, you're, you know, you must not be blessed. Wow, you're rich, you're wealthy, you're well taken care of. God must love you. God must favor you. God must have his hand on you. And we do this today. We don't, we don't want to admit it. We don't, we don't want to, to really say it to ourselves. But if I see somebody, if I walk into church and, and somebody is, is dressed really sharply, I, I have one impression of them. And if they're wearing, you know, maybe something, something less than that, you, you, it's, just, it's just the way people are, I guess. I don't know. It's a, it's a result of our fallen world because I love, I love C.S. Lewis's thought on this, that, that even the most humble believer, if you were to see them in their glorified state, would be the most amazing thing that you have ever seen. He said, he said that, that we, we look down on people, and yet, and yet if you were to see them the way God sees them, it would be the most incredible thing that you have ever seen. And so, so Christmas then represents this plot twist where God came down and he, he shifted everything. And it's so hard to look back 2,000 years now and be like, well, yeah, this is the way the story has always been. But back then, man, it was a reversal. It was, a, it was, a, it was upside down, right? That's how the video showed it. It was upside down from the way that we think of things. Luke chapter 1 records a song that Mary sang when she was, when she was processing. She, she went for a couple months and visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was, also, um, who was also pregnant. She was getting ready to give birth to John the Baptist, uh, who features in the first part of the Gospels. So she goes to visit Elizabeth, and they're, they're still pregnant, and there's this whole interaction that happens. And then Mary sings a song, and it really, it really reminds you of, of the Psalms from the, from the Old Testament, of, of songs from the book of Psalms, because of the way that it's structured and the, and the things that, that she calls out. Uh, I just want to read a, a few verses from this, but I would encourage you guys, as you're preparing for Christmas and as you're thinking about it, um, oftentimes we go to Luke chapter 2, but make sure to read Luke chapter 1 as well, because there's a lot of context in there that will help you to understand what's happening in Luke chapter 2. Luke 1 verse 46, Mary begins her song like this. She said, it says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. What she's saying here is that the great big God of the universe chose to notice me, that I was, I was nothing, I was humble, I was, I was, I, I didn't have a lot of money, I didn't have a lot of power, I didn't have a lot of influence, I was, 
uh, from, a, from a, a small town in northern Judea. I, I didn't, didn't know a lot, didn't have a lot, but God, for some reason, looked down on me with favor. God, for some reason, chose to look at me. And I think that, that sometimes we miss this idea that, that God has done the same for all of us. That God, God looks at each of us specifically. And he says, I know you, and I have a plan for your life. I have something that I want you to do. I have a, there's a reason that you were created the way that you were in the time that you were in the family of, of origin with the circumstances that you're in because I've got something that I want you to do. And so we see in, in Mary that, that she's humble, and so God is able to raise her up. And, and this is a pattern that we see all throughout the Old and New Testaments where, where God chooses, uh, chooses somebody not based on their height, not based on their, their bank account, not based on the type of car they drive, but instead God looks at the heart. And God chooses people based on what's going on inside of us and based on, based on how we're living uh, we see this in, in David, we see it in Joseph, we see it I mean, all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. We see this pattern that, that God doesn't care about our outward appearances. He doesn't care about what we have or what we can do. God cares about our heart, first and foremost. And then he'll use us if we're open to being used by God. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. So he's, he's taken those who were high and made them low, and he's taken the humble and he's lifted them up. He's got plot twist, right? Wait a second. God, I thought that you were going to come. I thought that when the Messiah finally came, there was going to be a parade throughout the city of Jerusalem. The baby was going to be brought to the temple. He was going to be lifted up like Simba, right? In the, uh, um, you know, with all the animals bowing down. Here is your king. I thought, I thought that's how it was going to happen. I thought that the, 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 the new king was going to be installed. There was going to be all of this fanfare. But instead, plot twist, the rulers have been brought low. Those who have exalted themselves have been humbled. And those who are humble are now exalted. He brought down the rulers from their thrones, have lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. So those with little, those with nothing, are full. Those with everything are empty. Plot twist. The higher brought low, the humbler exalted. The poor have plenty. The rich are empty. The oppressed are helped. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. In mercy... God strengthens us, nourishes us, nourishes us, saves us, heals us, redeems us. Only when we're looking to him and not ourselves. So that's what, that's what Mary is saying here in this passage. That when we approach God in humility, he raises us up. He raises us up. So, again, back to, uh, back to the, the verse. So we, we did... Verse 1, which is talking about how we've been saved, set free from Satan's power. Verse 2, then, is about somebody that's humble being brought up. 
In, in Bethlehem and Jewry, this blessed babe was born and laid upon a manger, laid within a manger upon this blessed morn, the which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn. In other words, she wasn't, she wasn't dismissive of it. She, she uh, considered carefully what was happening. She, she, uh, she knew that, that God was doing something in this. And, and her response really is what all of our responses with, should be when God tells us to do something. God, let it be for me as you have said. God, let it be for me, as you have said. That's humility, right? That's, that's us coming to God humbly and understanding that, that He is going to do what He can do. This is tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. I find comfort and joy in knowing that God has everything under control. Uh, Tiffany told the story earlier about the toy store and, and about the, the, the different things that, that happened. And, and um, I mean, I've, I've mentioned over the last several weeks all of the, the different things that have been going on. But, but seeing God come through every time just encourages me that he's going to continue to come through for us. And, and when, I, when I see that how God is working in these circumstances, when I see how God works in and out every situation, just like she mentioned with the, the Toys for Tots losing our order and, and all of that, but then, then us getting more gifts given to us that weren't expected, and, and man, some of the conversations that we've had and some of the people that we've been able to minister to. And I want to encourage you guys, um, Actually, as, as you're in prayer this week, one of the things that we did at that toy store was we invited everybody, hey, come check out our Christmas reflection service. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have you know, dramas and, and Christmas carols and cookies afterwards, and we would love to have you come and join us. And so we're, we're really praying that God would speak to their hearts and that God would, God would um, stir something up inside of them that they would have seen through, through a, a Christmas present the love of God, and how God wants to move in somebody's life, and how God came to bring us tidings of comfort and joy. Seeing God come through over and over again allows me to rest Mary. I hate the phrasing of that, but that's, that's what the song says. Rest Mary, right? To, to, be, to be confident in God's goodness, to be confident in God's happiness, and so as we're, we're going to have our, our worship team come up uh, and join us at this time, and we're going we're gonna to take time to sing this song together. We want to we wanna really focus on this idea that, that it doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter where you found yourself in life. It doesn't matter the pressures that you're facing. God wants to give you happiness. He wants to give you joy during this season. That as we learn to rest in Him, as we learn to take comfort in who he is, as we, as we watch him come through for us, we gain that confidence, we gain that strength, we gain that understanding that God is with us, that God has everything under control. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Before we sing the song again, I, I do know and I want to acknowledge that there are some of you in here that need to find that joy in our Savior. And maybe you're here in person or maybe you're watching us online, but, but you know that there's something missing in your life. You want that joy that only God can bring, and yet you're, you find yourself struggling. You find yourself distant 
from God, and we want to give you an opportunity to come back to him. I, I laid out the, the gospel story earlier in the message, but essentially it boils down to this. We sinned, so God sent his son to redeem us. He, he sent his son to pay for our, for our sins, to pay our punishment, so that we can find new life, new hope, and new joy in him. What we're going to do is in just a minute, I'm going to have you bow your heads. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to have you raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus into your heart this morning. If you're watching us online, make sure to, to click the link in the chat. Fill out the connection card. And if you're here in person, grab one of those Next Steps cards and fill it out because we want to connect with you. We want to, we want to um, continue to walk alongside of you. We don't want anybody to walk alone in this, but we want to encourage you as you take these first steps with God today. Why don't you guys go ahead and bow your heads. Christians, let's go ahead and pray at this time. And we just want to, we just want to ask if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, we'll figure out all the rest of it later. We'll figure out how it all ties together. But right now in this moment, God is tugging on your heart because he's got joy that he wants to give you today. I'm going to count to three. Go ahead and raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. All across this place, Got one hand down front here. Anybody else that you want to raise your hand, you want to accept Jesus into your heart today? Anybody else in here? Just going to wait just 10 more seconds. I believe that God is speaking to some people. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and pray together. Because we believe that uh, we, we want to make sure, as a family, nobody prays alone, right? So we're going we're gonna to all lift up our voices and pray together. Everybody say it with me. Say, Father God, I know that I've sinned and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending your son, born in a manger, to die on a cross for my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give these a hand today? If you prayed that prayer today, even if you didn't raise your hand, make sure to fill out one of the Next Steps cards. You can drop it in the offering box or take it to the Welcome Center on your way out. We want to connect with you. We want to continue to encourage with you, to, to continue to encourage you. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's sing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen now that we've got a new understanding of what this song means and then I'll come back up and close us in just a minute. God Rest You Merry Gentlemen.